0: Dagon is going down. How many of you guys know the story of Dagon, right? And he literally went down. But the Lord cannot be put into captivity, church. The Lord cannot be put into captivity. Okay, he's not going to be captured. He will not be held hostage. Right? He will not be subject to man's ways. He simply cannot. God cannot be put into captivity. Say it with me. God cannot be put into captivity. He just simply will not be put into captivity. No matter what. Amen. And so we walk with the Lord, right? We, he, he lives on the inside of us. And so if the spirit of God that lives on the inside of us, and I already said that the Lord cannot be put into captivity, then the reality is, and the truth of it is, is that neither can we. We can't actually be put into captivity unless we allow it. Of course, you can always allow it, but we we wouldn't want to allow it, right? So there's so much power and strength on the inside of us that we get to learn our identity, our authority in Christ, and walk in the the understanding that God in me, the hope of glory, I won't tolerate anything that comes from the enemy, right? So Dagon is going down. Psalm 145 and verse uh, 13 says, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures forever it endures throughout all generations this is the kingdom of whom we serve the kingdom of god his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom this is psalm 145 13 if you're taking notes his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures it endures throughout all generations hallelujah Isaiah 45 and verse 4 says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Hallelujah, there is no God besides me. I am the Lord. This is what he says. I am the Lord, there is no other. There is no God besides me. So no power can take you away from the Lord. You're believers in Christ. No power can take you away from the Lord. No, no power, no, no presence can stop the, the plan of God in your lives, right? Amen. Unless, of course, we let it. We're not gonna let it. Amen. So that was Isaiah 45, for those that are taking notes. Isaiah 45 and verse 4. Okay? So Psalm 145, 13, and Isaiah 45, 4. We carry the presence of God. Oh, Lord, let us identify with that and let us recognize it more and more and more. Because we carry the presence of God. And so that means the power of God in, in us is enough to overthrow It's enough. The power of God in us is enough to overthrow any demonic agenda, the enemy prowling around against you, basically. The power of God in us because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, right? So we actually have dominion. We have dominion. We have dominion power. We have power for miracles. We have authority in his name to walk uprightly and to see it and to say oh no I'm walking in the kingdom dynamics I'm walking I'm I'm walking connected with the holy spirit and I won't allow any invading spirit and we just called out so many of them and look at the lord's power look at how he healed already thank you father thank you lord so Uh, In in 1 Samuel chapter 5, we were reading and, and going through this story, and once Eli and his sons died in battle, the Philistines tried to capture the ark. As a matter of fact, they did capture the ark, but it came at a great cost to them. It came at a great cost. So 1 Samuel in chapter 5, and it says here in verse 2, when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. So Dagon is the name of their god when the Philistines took the ark of God and they put it right into the house of the false god. The false they put it right into the temple in in, an idol temple place of worship, right? Literally in the place where they would worship and bow down to the demonic statue, because it is a demonic statue. It's a demon statue. They put the spirit of God, they put the ark of God right next to this ungodly, demonic deity. Really? Are you ready for a showdown? Because this is not going to be okay. Dagon was their primary god. Okay, the head head and the body of a man, and then the lower torso of a fish. And so we have seen other demonic statues that are also similar, half man, half animal, right? So, but this is Dagon, and and they they worship this statue as the father of Baal. You know how wicked Baal was. So this statue Dagon was worshiped as the father of Baal. Wicked. Say it's wicked. it's wicked. So now let's look. So think about it. They 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 steal, they capture the ark of God. They bring it into their idolatrous temple worship and they put it right next to their pagan god. The presence of God. Let's look at verse 3. And when the people of Ashdod rose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they got up, something happened last night. I don't know what happened last night, but something happened last night, and that enemy is going down. Because God doesn't sleep, he does not slumber. You may be sleeping, but he's still working. So... When they woke up, they see this demonic statue fallen right on its face. And they, and they were like, oh, my. It fell right on its face. That means it fell prostrate right before the Lord. It didn't just fall. It was like it could have it fell on its back. It could have fell on its side. But no, it fell prostrate right before the presence of the Lord. It fell prostrate because every demonic agenda is going to bow down to the name of Jesus. While you sleep. While you sleep, God is still working. While you sleep. Because God never sleeps and he doesn't slumber. You got to have that kind of confidence knowing that, you know what, I've done my part. I've prayed. I've fasted. I'm staying in the word. I'm not allowing, you know, lies and thoughts that creep into my mind, my, my soul. You got to do your part. But as you do your part and you go to bed at night and you put your head on the pillow, you got to know that God is still working. And every giant in your life, he will slay. Yeah. Yeah. That was just night one. But they didn't get the picture fully. So what did they do? They picked up their idol. They brushed it off. They, they, they decided to, let's reposition him. Let's try it again. Some people have to learn the hard way, guys. Some people just don't, they know, they don't get it, and they got to learn the hard way. Don't be one of them. So, night two. Let's read night two here. So, verse four. And when they arose again the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. But this time it wasn't just fallen on its face. This time, the head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off. Uh, Yes, glory to God. And it was only the torso left. uh, So it's fallen on its face again for the second time. But this time, it was dismembered. This time, the literally the parts of its body had to be cut off. We just dismember every demonic assignment coming against us in the name of Jesus. We don't allow the the enemy to come against us. The almighty presence of God destroys, cuts off, and dismembers this rebellious, false deity. What is he doing in your lives? What is he doing in your life? You have to see the presence of God. You got to say, yes, Lord, I recognize what you're doing. I'm not the same today as I was yesterday. Why? Because God is at work. God is at work. So two nights of the same, they finally realized, oh, dear Lord, this is not going to go well for us because the hand of the Lord is against us. We need to get rid of this. We need to get rid of this ark. We don't want it anymore. Well, you thought you were so great by taking it and bringing it into such a, a horrific, a demonic, just a diabolical place. You thought you were so great, but now you see otherwise. Otherwise. God's power will never, ever, ever be made a, a fool or a mockery. Yeah. So look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, but the hand of the Lord was heavy upon the people of Ashdod. You better believe it. And he, he ravaged them and he struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. So not just the people that were right there yes. in, in, that, in that demonic temple, but even in the surrounding territories, the hand of the Lord was heavy upon the people, and God struck them with tumors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, he did. They realized quickly that, You can't have Dagon and God Almighty in the same room right next to each other thinking that they are of equal power. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're in places, in environments where they're worshiping a false god and it may just be the god of themselves. It may be the god of humanity. It just may be some immoral god. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But you're right there and they're taunting you. You're carrying this presence of God, the ark of God, the presence of God, which is now on the inside of you, right? And you're being placed and positioned next to such ungodliness, next to such vile, just just God's, I mean, just the enemy spewing out, and you're there, and you're going, God, this is not okay. God, something has to be done. Lord, what are you going to do? God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change this is not just an Old Testament story that we read about and go well that was amazing that was all in the Old Testament but you know that's not what God's doing today you better believe it he doesn't change but he needs his people to stand in faith and to stand with authority and say oh no you don't get to have your way when it comes to me anyway and that which belongs unto me my family my church those people that God has entrusted in my life you don't get to have your way so we serve you notice devil You got to serve the devil notice, and you got to tell him no, no, and no again. You don't get to have your agenda. You don't get to have your plan. You don't get to have your wicked ways when it comes to do with me and my own. And that's you taking authority and recognizing, you know what, Uh-uh-uh-uh. it may be standing next to you, you may, have be, you, may be, you may be in the vicinity, you may have to be for a season right where the demonic assignment, all the junk, all the, all the worldliness, right there. And you have to be right there. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's your job. Yeah. Right? And, and so you feel like, oh, man, and God hasn't released you. And maybe it's like what you do and it's here it is and every day and every day. Well, you are not left helpless. You are not left hopeless. You have authority. And this is this battle is won in prayer. You will pray. You will see the hand of God move because God is truly the same. But you got to see it and you got to open your mouth and say, oh, no, that Dagon is going down. It's being dis- dismembered. Use the word of God. It's being dismembered. It's going down, that Dagon spirit or whatever that is that's going on in your life, right? The hand of the Lord, it was against the whole city, and he struck them with tumors. Well, you know what that did? Everyone was basically, people started to hear, and they said, oh, my goodness, we can't have this. We don't want the ark of God. We do not want it. We do not want it. That was verse 6. Look at verse 7. And so when the when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, the ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is harsh towards us, and Dagon our God. So they recognized it. Yeah. You, know, you got some people that still, they won't see. Some people, they can't even see what's happening. Like, yeah. hey, this is, you're, you're being... There's a discipline happening because you're, you're, you're doing what you shouldn't be doing, and, and this is a judgment that comes from God, and you, you're too blind to even see it. No, they saw it. Yeah. They saw it, and they said, the hand of God is harsh against us, so we, we can't have this. We don't want that ark. We don't want it anymore, right? That's verse 7. And so let's jump down to uh, uh, 9. Right before verse 9, it says, so they carried the ark of, the, of God of Israel away. Yeah, they were smart they realized they realized you know what does a christian have have to have in common with belial what nothing, nothing. right so nothing. they realized even though they were not on the side of the lord they they still realized so look at verse 9 so it was after they had carried it away that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. Wow. So basically, they continued to send this this uh, ark of God's presence elsewhere. And wherever it was sent, tumors struck out. And people were getting diseased. And people were dying. Because God will not be mocked, and he will not be made a fool. Remember, God laughs at the enemy. He laughs at the enemy. And you may be standing and praying in faith, and maybe you're praying and praying, and it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it does. But maybe it didn't happen overnight for you. But you keep on keeping on, and you keep on strong in his word, and don't let up, because God is faithful when he sees his people also faithful. And he's always faithful. But he will answer that heart's cry. And not only that, the devil loses its power because you won't relent. Because you recognize this is the the battle that we are to partake in and not stop. And not stop. Because the enemy is crafty, but God is greater still. So let me, let me see here. Let, let's let's re- read verse 10. So uh, they sent the ark of God to, to Ekron. And so here it keeps going. It went to Gath. I don't think I read that. But it went to Gath. Then it went to Ekron. So the ark of God came to, to Ekron. And they cried out saying, they have brought the ark of God of Israel to us to kill us and to our people. So they had already heard that every city that this ark went, people were dying. Do- well, tumors were breaking out and people were getting sick. And so now it's in Ekron. They're like, we don't want it. We do not want it. Take it back. We do not want it. They actually said, send it away. Send away the ark of God of Israel and let it not go back. He says, and let it go back to its own place. We don't want it here. Why are you bringing it here? Right? He says, we don't want it. He says, we don't want it because it will kill us and our people. Are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? I'm in the middle of verse 11. It's going to kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city, and the hand of God was very heavy there. And the men who did not die, so many died. But the men who didn't die were also stricken with tumors. And the cry of the city went up to heaven. Wow. So they were, so this ark, this ark of God's presence is stolen, right? It's captured. It's captured in in the battle, in the battle that they weren't even supposed to be in. They didn't ask Samuel, they, they just went, and Eli was alive at the time, and so they, they still, they, they brought the ark of God into the battle, of which they should not have done, God didn't tell them to do that, did God ask you to do that, always ask that question, did God ask you to do this, Lord, do you want me to do this, don't just do your great idea, because sometimes those great ideas don't come from God, And they create further captivity. And so the ark was in a place where it shouldn't have been in the first place. Of course it got captured. But then when it got captured and it's going from one city to the next city to the next city, God's not going to be mocked. He will never lose. It's people that lose. But God will never. He's never going to lose. And so he says, you know what? the, The tumors are breaking out on all these people because that's not where the presence of God belongs. It belongs with God's people. God's presence is holy. God's presence is pure. And we have to honor the presence of God on the inside of us. So that now we don't have the ark that travels around, right? We have the presence of God that literally moves in us. And every time I go someplace, you go someplace, you're carrying the presence of God. And so we must make sure that we are holy vessels and that we go to that which is holy and we draw that bloodline when we recognize That is not of God. And I will not partner myself with something that is not godly. Right? Let's just say again, same scenario. Maybe it's your job or someplace that you have to go to. And you might say, well, but I have to go there for the season for the time being, but you don't have to go there in your thinking, you don't have to go there in your emotions, you don't have to bow down, you don't have to compromise, you don't have to say it's okay, you don't have to keep your mouth shut, you can speak when God tells you to speak. And we'll be silent when he tells us to be silent. But we will be people of prayer. And we also know that we know that we know that God will take care of all of this. Even while we sleep, if so be it. And if that's what's needed, even while we sleep. You know, all of this. And, and Samuel, they didn't even ask Samuel to come into this battle. They didn't, they didn't ask him. He was already proven that he was a prophet of God. He already had proven that he hears from God. But we're going to see in the next few chapters just how the man that God approved and had his hand on starts to rise up in the scene and literally take over and do what is needed to be done so that people don't fall prey to demonic captivity. We are the people of God that he is saying, I want you to rise up. You may see the wickedness all around you, but be ready. Samuel was ready. And in, in, the, in the next chapters, we're going to see how he is now called back onto the scene. Just because you see it happening all around you and you see that it's wrong doesn't mean that God is not going to use you in that next page, that page turns, as that day dawns. It doesn't mean that he's, he is going to use you, but you got to be ready. You got to see it and you got to prepare your heart. Let this heart, let this vessel be a prepared vessel, ready to do the will of God. And don't be afraid of the backlash. Sometimes people get so afraid of standing for truth and standing against the face of evil because they're afraid of the backlash. If you're afraid of backlash, you need to get prayer. Because that right there is already a sign that there's too much, there's fear in you. And you can't walk in faith and walk in fear at the same time. One has to give way to the other, and we're only called by God to walk by faith, and that's the only way that we please God, is when we walk in faith, right? So even a little bit of fear can drive out faith, and it can take over if we let it have its residence. We can't. we got to identify and go, oh, no, uh-uh, because I am called by God. Say it over yourself. I'm called by God. I am his ambassador, and I'm going to do the will of God. And so I'm going to live ready. I'm armed and ready for the battle. And I will not shrink back. So Lord, make me ready in any area that I'm unaware of. Go deeper. Heal my heart. Heal my mind and my soul. But I'm ready for you. I commit myself to your hands. In the name of Jesus. We are going to walk like Jesus, yes and amen, and see his supernatural power outpouring in our lives today and every day. We are not walking like the world. We don't walk like the world because we're not of the world. Okay, We, we have actually been born anew. So the world's standards do not dictate to us how we live we have a standard that is much higher we have the standard which is the word of god that does not return unto us void amen and so in god's holy word in john 15 and verse 7 it says if Come on. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it will happen. You shall ask and it will happen. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. We, in, in, right in this verse, very first part of this scripture, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Stop right there. It's not the end of the scripture, but stop right there. That first part of this scripture is talking about Loving his presence and loving his word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. That means you're going to love the spirit of God, the move, the presence of God. But you're going to also love the word of God just as much. Not, well, I love the word of God, but more the presence. No, you're going to love them both equally. Say, I will love the presence and the word of God equally because it is spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. We must live by the spirit of God and in the truth of God, which is the word of God. Right? So, spirit and truth. You're you're at the uh, gospel of John. So, turn to chapter 4. We're going to go right back to chapter 15. But right now, I want you to go to chapter 4. And in verse 24, it says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This is the command of the Lord that God is spirit. He is the spirit. He is spirit. And those who worship him, when you worship him, you must worship him in spirit and in truth. When you worship him, you live for him. When you worship him, Does not mean you only sing when it's time to come together in a corporate setting. Worship is a lifestyle of obedience. Worship is a lifestyle of laying down your thoughts, your attitudes, your desires, uh, your plans, your hopes, your dreams uh, to submit to the one that created you. Worship is obedience unto him. So when you got a spirit and when you worship him, you must worship him in spirit and in truth right? And so we're going to worship him with everything within us. Say, Lord, teach me how to worship you in spirit and in truth. Teach me how to love the spirit of the living God, but teach me how to love the word of truth just as much. Yes. Right? Yes. And the more that you read of his word and you take his word in, the more that you love his word. The more that your your hunger, your appetite for this living word, the more it comes to pass. So God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, let's go back to John 15, 7. Because we we only really talked much about the very first phrase. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. The rest of it says that what, it says, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You're gonna ask what you desire if you abide. Okay, if you abide in the vine, you're getting your all your nutrients. You're getting all your energy, all your source from the King of Kings, the one that has literally planted you in Him, in His living Word. You're not one that gets uprooted by an easy offense. You're not one that gets uprooted by a difficult offense. You're not one that gets uprooted. Period. Because you walk by the Spirit and you live by the Word. Am I talking to mature believers here? It's important because you know what? We know the enemy's assignment. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Did we just read this? Did we just read this incredible promise? Do we not know that God is not a man that he should lie? So if God is not a man that he should lie, then this word is 100% true and 100% of the time. I know I recently preached on this, on this very scripture, John 15, 7. And the Holy Spirit has instructed me to teach a little bit more on it. And I told you that day, 100%. And 100% of the time, that's what's required, right? So incredible promise, and we know that all of his promises are yes and amen. They're true. When you find a promise, this is quite, have you ever meditated on this word, on this promise? How how many of you have meditated? Like literally meditated, and you know what I mean by meditated? You didn't just read it and kind of, no, you sat with it. You sat with it. You read it over and over and over you prayed it maybe you journaled it but you sat and you 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 literally thought it through and you just you know it, underneath your breath you just repeated it you meditated you you allowed yourself to just just to be saturated by this word okay so how many of you would say i read that and i meditated on it and when i read the end of it that you will ask what you will and it shall be done that maybe some questions arose. Like, wait, Lord, I do love you. I do abide. Your words do abide in me. And I am abiding in you. And I've been asking, and I still don't see it. Have you, honestly, have you ever asked that question? Okay. Because that's what the Lord had told me to. Go back to that scripture, and I want you to make this point. Okay, Lord. So he says, go to Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Somebody should be getting happy about now. Somebody should be getting some godly confidence about now. Whoa, thank you, Jesus. God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? We know the answer to that. So, his word says, I will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He says, I will supply. When you think there's not enough, I am your supplier. When you think it's too late, it's too much, it's over, he says, I am your consistent help. I am your forward guard. I am your rear guard. When you think that it's too late and it's all over, no, God says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? He says, I will restore health to you and heal you of all your wounds. That's Jeremiah 30, 17 for those that are taking notes. Jeremiah 30 and 17. I will restore health to you and heal you of all your wounds. Is this a promise to stand on? Uh Uh-huh. We're gonna get to that question that I just raised. We're gonna get to that question. But I wanna set it up first. He says, you are the head and not the tail. He says, if you will pay attention to the commands of the Lord, your God that, he, that um, I gave you this day, he says, and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. This is Deuteronomy 28, 13. I mean, if he would have said, if you do this, you know, sometimes, sometimes you'll be at the top. If he would have made room for those, maybe some allowances, you know. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He gave us an absolute promise, an absolute word. He said always. He didn't say sometimes. See, the problem is sometimes people don't believe the word. They're not receiving the fullness of the word. They're not really believing it. Not fully. And then they miss out on the promise that it actually has for them. That it holds for them, right? Oh, thank you. So, again, John 15 and 7. This is how you can read it. You shall ask and it will happen. That scripture can be paraphrased, right? You shall ask, and it will happen. Now, it doesn't say instantaneously, does it? Although many times we know he does instantaneously. Heal, set free, transform, break through. It does. Many times we see that miracle right away. But we don't want to be the kind of Christian that needs to only see the instant gratification or our faith becomes weak. We have to have strong faith. We have to have faith that is so grounded in the truth of God's word that if he said, you will ask and it will come about. And I shouldn't have to mention this, but I will it's assuming that you're abiding in Christ, which means you're not asking from a selfish place, a worldly place. That's, that's the whole abide word, right? Because if you're not abiding, you would be asking from a selfish place, and it's not going to happen, right? So we're assuming, and I'm assuming that, you're, that you understand we're talking about walking the walk living the life of christ because he died and rose again to set us free and so we know that every word of god is pure it's flawless every word of god it is flawless and we get to partake of this every word of god and so you shall ask and it will happen right john 15:7. but we're not gonna be disappointment or lose faith when it doesn't necessarily happen in one or two days so we don't want our faulty actions to be what hinders the blessing of god either so in that in asking that question okay lord i abide you know in you and your word abides in me you said you can ask whatever you desire it shall be done unto you so what might be the roadblock what might be the reason now i know that there are more reasons than the few that I'm going to list, but I am gonna list three of them, okay? So here are three areas to consider. Are the words that are proceeding out of your mouths short-circuiting the blessing? Because you cannot speak death and expect life. You can't speak death just because you're mad and expect life when you get over it. You short-circuit the blessing every single time. Like you go back to ground zero. You go back to the beginning. You can't speak the, the curse and expect the blessing. You can't speak words that are contrary to truth just because you, you think it's, it's easy or it's whatever, funny, or you just want to. You're used to it. Your emotions tell you to say it. That's what you hear everybody else say. I don't know what your reasons might be. You don't walk based on the world's reasons. You shouldn't look like the world. We need to look like our creator, like our maker. Does Jesus speak death? He speaks life. He spoke life to Lazarus, who was dead, and called him out of the grave, even after he was dead for four days. And he still spoke life, not death. He spoke life. We got to watch the words that we say Because you might be short-circuiting your own blessing. That might be one of the reasons, one of the areas that you need to consider. And go, what's coming out of my mouth? What's coming out of my mouth? You know, we are eternal beings, and we're going to live forever. You know, the Word of God says we're never going to die. Obviously, our bodies will die. But I'm talking about our spirit man. We are born anew. And so the old man died when you said yes to Christ, right? The old man died and we now are new creations in Christ. So now the life that we live, we live that life in and through Jesus Christ. You are like Jesus now. That's your expectation. I'm still talking about the words that you speak. I'm not off of that point yet, in case anybody was wondering. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Wow. All things? Yes, all things. All things. If anyone is in Christ. So he's not talking about anyone. He's talking about if you're in Christ. So in other words, those that are in Christ. For those that are in Christ, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. The old things have passed away. God is not a liar. The old things have passed away. And then he says, behold, look and see. All things have become new. Do you have eyes to see the new? Even when your emotions tell you otherwise? That's what we need. And we have it if we choose to live, surrender to the spirit. We have it if we choose to live our lives in the spirit of God, with the word of God, right tightly within us. So, not fearing, not worrying, not striving and in a frenzy or, or, or just living out-of-control lives without any peace. Now, we know this is what the world lives by. Fear and worry and stress and, and it's like normal. And if you're not doing that, you're abnormal. Well, they try to make you think that anyway. It doesn't work here. But it's true, the world does live like this. Fear and stress, oh, it's so stressed out. It makes me say, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. Does that not kind of give you the creeps when you hear it? It does to me. Like inside, I'm just going, oh my gosh. Like if, if my face could just betray what I'm feeling when I hear that, I'm just going, oh no. You know, like within me, because the Spirit of God within me is not happy. Now, of course, if it's the world, well, it's the world. They don't have Jesus yet, so we understand that. But when it becomes the believers, that's a problem, church. We shouldn't resemble the world. There's a problem. It just shows that we have not allowed maturity in this area of our lives. And you may think it's okay, it's this or that. You're justifying. You're just justifying. And it's robbing you of the blessing of God. Not that that's the only reason that you should, you know, work on this area, but it is robbing the blessing of God. We should live our lives in peace, even in difficulties. Doesn't mean there's nervous sorrow or heartache, but we should live in the peace that remains. There's a peace that God gives that nothing can take away. In other words, you may not be happy about a situation, but your joy doesn't come from that situation. Your joy comes in the fact that you are living in Christ and he is your peace. He's the Prince of Peace. So you're secure in that. And that's where the joy comes from. That's where right thinking comes from. That's where our peace resides. That's why when the world now sees you respond in a way that is so different from how they respond, they think you're strange. Well, we are a peculiar people. So, in a way, they're half right. God says you're a peculiar people. So, if they think you're strange, it's because they don't have eyes to see. If they don't understand, why do you serve the Lord and you go to a service, you go to a church twice a week, and each and every service is hours long. Why would you do that? Do you have nothing better to do with your time? Well, the truth and the right answer is no. (laughs) That's the best thing we can do with our time. And it's the thing we love to do with our time is to be in his presence, right? But that's the transformation that that the Lord does in us, right? And it's, He's just so good. 1 John 4 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this. Love has been perfected. Talk about the love of God. Love has been perfected in us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world as he is so are we in this world so you can't curse your future and expect the promises of god to come to pass in your lives because as he is so are you in this world and you want to know am i really living that scripture out what's coming out of your mouth would it really come out of the mouth of jesus if the answer is no then Obviously, God is not a man that he should lie. Who needs to change? We do. So if you're not seeing answers to John 15, 7, maybe you need to check the words that are coming out of your mouth. Just a suggestion. I don't know. There are many believers that have the word memorized. A lot of the word. A lot of the word. Memorized. Oh, and they can quote it like nobody's business. They can preach it, right? But they're not living it. They're not living it. They're not fooling God. Don't be that kind of a Christian because you're not fooling God. And he sees. And he's not pleased with that. And people that know you are hearing you. And you might be stumbling somebody and we're not supposed to stumble people by living contrary to the word. Hey, if you stumble somebody, you offend somebody, but you're living right before God, that's expected. Even Jesus did that. But if you stumble them because you're living contrary to the word, I'd be careful if I were you, because that's not a good thing. So they forfeit the promises of God, but he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask and you will receive. Let's go to point two. Okay, so number one, obviously, the words that you speak. But number two, maybe, just maybe, some of the reasons as to why the the answers to prayer is not coming and you've been praying for years. Okay. Maybe you're not mixing faith with the promise. Oh, God does so much in that time period of waiting in us a lot of changing, a lot of growth, a lot of pruning, a lot of cutting. And it's beautiful and it's needed. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of lot that he does in that time of waiting. So in Hebrews 4 and 2, it says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Oh my goodness, let's just stop and reread that portion of scripture. I'm going to start with verse 1. Therefore. Since it says a promise remains of entering his rest, that's the beautiful promise that we have. We get to enter his rest. Let us, it says, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. So, everyone's hearing the word, the gospel's being preached to all, but the word which they heard. They heard it, say they heard the word, they heard it every week, they heard it twice a week, they heard it all the, they read it They at a home, they heard it, they heard the word. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Wait, why? I thought the word was powerful. I thought it was full of power. Yes, it's not on the word's side. The problem is not on God's side. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith to those who heard it. They heard it, but they weren't really hearing. They didn't really listen. You can hear something and not hear. And they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't mix it with faith. Oh, I heard the word, and they, okay, great, it's going to happen. And then it doesn't happen. And two days, three days, weeks, months, years go by, and they're getting discouraged because the promise still hasn't come to pass. Oh, they're not going to turn their backs on Jesus. At least not this group of people that I'm describing. But they've become muted. They have become casual Christians. They have stopped believing that a radical faith radically changes. And they would rather just live a ho-hum, casual life. Because they don't, they're disillusioned. Mix faith with the promise. So what if it takes a lifetime for some of those prayers to come to pass? What if those prayers get answered after you're on the other side of eternity? Would you still stand faithful and believe that the word of God will never return void? will you still stand firm and say, I'm mixing faith with the promises of God and I will not be disappointed because it's not about what it looks like. It's not about what I think or feel. God's already promised it in his word. So it's a done deal. I just have to stand firm in it and mix faith with the promise. Especially some that are praying for salvation of a loved one. It can be difficult, but I'm telling you, It's only difficult when you take your eyes off Jesus. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, it's not difficult at all. It's not difficult at all because you're you're drawing your strength on the giver of life. You're literally drawing strength because you are attached to the vine. You're not cutting yourself off by faulty thinking or letting emotions lead. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to mix faith with the promises, right? And point three, are you operating in faith and patience? Hebrews 6 and 12. I'm going to start at 11, though. You know me. We're going to back up. No, we're going to back up a little bit more. Oh, we're just going to, don't we just love the word? Because we love the word of God. Sometimes you don't even know where to start start and where to finish because it's just all good. You're just eating it up. We just eat it up. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Until the end. Show that diligence until the end. That you do not, yes, Lord, that you do not become what? What does it say? Sluggish. What did I just describe? What do you guys, what did I just describe? I didn't use the word sluggish, but I just described a sluggish Christian. They got casual, right? They didn't want to be, they they just just kind of blended in with the carpet. And there's a lot of them because they were disappointed. They were disillusioned. That's not God's fault. It's yours. It's yours for believing the devil. It's yours for believing your own emotions. God's word will not fail. Should I say it again? God's word will not fail. He does not fail. He does not change. We just got to believe him for what he said. So let me finish this scripture in Hebrews 6 and 12. So we're in 11 though. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but you imitate those who, through faith and patience, through faith and patience, I want you to say this out loud, through faith and patience, I will inherit the promises of God, because that's the rest of that scripture, Through faith and patience, I will inherit the promises of God. That is a promise to take to the bank. Through faith and patience, I will inherit the promises of God. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask that which you desire and it shall be done unto you. But with faith and patience, you are going to inherit the promises of God. So don't let the devil tell you, my goodness, you've been praying for three years. It hasn't come to pass. Maybe you should stop being so fervent in your prayers. Cast that devil out. Shut that voice down. And don't be letting him play you for a fool.